Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation and we recognise their unceded sovereignty. CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. With myself, Yan, <laughs> and I'm trying to concentrate. And I'm so you can sorry. hear all the giggles in the background because Lauren yeah. is back. Is back. Oh my God. I, was, oh, I was so oh, well slept. It was so a song I, had mine <laughs> I wanted to play. Um, the applause. Uh, no, I wanted to play. Um, uh, Welcome back, Quarter. Oh welcome back, welcome back. That was enough. Thank mm. you. Just yeah, so you Thank are you. very welcome. That was so beautiful. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast with myself, Ayan, Lauren, Anya, um, who is a bit under the weather, I reckon. Not anymore. Oh, you say that, but you came barking down the corridor with <laughs> <to> feel. <laughs> I've got antibiotics with me, so all okay, good. Good. <laughs> good. Thank goodness. Well, I'm glad you're here. I was worried. I'm glad you're here too. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so beautiful. Mm. And we went out, didn't we, girls, on Friday night? Mm. We did. We had a really good time. (laughs) Yeah, that was your undoing. Mm. Yeah, and Um, who did you see? I know you saw someone else. Yeah, I went to see Kate at the the Corner Hotel, which was really good. I'm still Mm. buzzing from it. She's so good. Yeah, amazing. So good. We should play one of her songs later. We've uploaded one. Oh, great. Oh, please. Um, and I also wanted to mention, yesterday was the Mid-Autumn Festival. Mm. So if any listeners out there celebrated it, I hope you had a safe and happy one and ate lots of mooncakes, because I did. <laughs> <laughs> What's the holiday? It's, um, it's a harvest festival that's notably celebrated by the Chinese and Vietnamese people, oh. as Wikipedia says. Um, I basically just eat lots of mooncakes and carry lanterns around. Yum. So just down to cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a vision of you right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. It was also just Bi Visibility Day, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, happy Bi Visibility Day to all of our beautiful Bi listeners mm. and friends. Might jump into some news headlines quickly and then we can get this show on the road. So, um, today is the 25th of September 2018 and. The news is that yesterday, in a big shock to a lot of people, but apparently not to um, some News Corp journalists, the ABC's board of directors voted to remove Michelle Guthrie from her position as the head of the national broadcaster, citing concerns about her relationship with the federal government and her management style. Ms Guthrie has told media that she is considering her legal options in relation to her dismissal. Proposed changes to the Office of National Intelligence are set to go before Parliament soon and are currently being examined by the Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security. Karen Middleton in the Saturday paper reported over the weekend that the changes include establishing a new central office and newly, designated, uh, new, sorry, newly designating 
a number of government agencies as intelligence agencies, which means that they will be partially exempted from the Privacy Act to enable disclosure of personal information to the Office of the National Intelligence. It's proposed that the ONI will have access to personal information that other government agencies have collected for other purposes and may be able to access people's private social media accounts. We will monitor the committee's review of these laws and we'll keep you updated. New statistics released by the Kirby Institute on Monday show that there was a 10% rise in HIV diagnosis among heterosexual Australians between 2012 and 2017. The results also show that many of these people were being diagnosed um, only after realising several years later that they'd contracted HIV. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's diagnosis rate is more than double that of non-First Nations population. On Saturday, the 22nd of September, 29 people were killed and another 70 wounded in an attack on Iran's revolutionary guard in the Arab-majority city of Avaz. While it's not yet clear who was behind the attack, Iranian officials have blamed US allies in the region, a group which includes Israel, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, and things are looking very tense right now. A second allegation of sexual assault has been made against the US Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. A woman who attended Yale University with Mr. Kavanaugh claims that at a party while the two were university students, he sexually assaulted her. At this time, the White House continues to support Mr. Kavanaugh. And finally, in um, a really cute name, nickname for something that doesn't necessarily imply that I agree with this man's policies, but Modi Care has made it to India. <laughs> The Indian government has launched a publicly funded health insurance scheme covering approximately 500 million people. It is considered to be one of the biggest in the world. It has been dubbed Modi Care. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of ScoMo, isn't it? It's just... Anyway, uh, it sets out to cover the medical costs of poor families treating serious medical issues. Fingers crossed. Yeah, look, I think uh, if it helps people, then it helps people. I That's just, great. Mm. No, yeah, let's be helpful. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm trying. Mm. And that uh, that is your news headlines for this Tuesday morning. Darabin Council is conducting a review of everything it does to support people over 65, and we want your input. Whether you're an older Darabin resident approaching retirement, or have aging parents or loved ones, this review is relevant to you. We need all perspectives on how we can make Darabin an age-friendly city. For more information, visit our website on www.darabin.vic.gov.au or call Darabin Council on 8470-8470 to speak in your language. The City of Darabin is a 3CR supporter. been a patient at Monash Health, then we need your help. Because we care for patients from so many countries speaking so many different languages, we need your help to make the patient experience better. To make a real difference, register to be a consumer advisor. Visit the Monash Health website, monashhealth.org. Monash Health is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with Ayan, Lauren and myself, Anya. Um, we thought we'll play you a Bollywood song now to get to get everyone's blood pumping and get all the sleepyheads out of bed 
including myself. <laughs> Here you go, it's called Dilber. 2018 marks 20 years since senior traditional owner Yvonne Margarula invited supporters to come to Mirar Country within Kakadu National Park to blockade the proposed Jabaluka uranium mine. Thousands answered the call. The mine was stopped. To commemorate this extraordinary anniversary, Gunjaitme Aboriginal Corporation and the Australian Conservation Foundation have produced a gorgeous commemorative calendar. Standing strong, Jabaluka 20 years is a piece of history you don't want to miss. Order your copy today at mirar.net. That's M-I-R-A-R-R.net, a 3CR supporter. Hi, I'm Maurice. And I'm Mario. And we're Chronically, Chronically Chilled. A program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness, as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives. Listen to Chronically Chilled, the first Wednesday of every month at 6pm. Darabin Council is conducting a review of everything it does to support people over 65 and we want your input. Whether you're an older Darabin resident, approaching retirement or have ageing parents or loved ones, this review is relevant to you. We need all perspectives on how we can make Darabin an age-friendly city. For more information, visit our website on www.darabin.vic.gov.au or call Darabin Council on 8470-8470 to speak in your language. The City of Darabin is a 3CR supporter. Good morning. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Um, on the line we have returning is China Elisi. China Elisi is a producer, director, writer, and experienced facilitator from Detroit, Michigan, and um, Michigan, Mexican. Wow, Michigan, who um, settled here a few years ago. She is also the founder of Floating Key, a curatorial platform that centers Black elevation and Pox Solidarity in Nam. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast, China. Hello, good morning, thank you. Thank you so much for being here again. And you are, I love it. Um, as, as you and I have um, discussed outside of radio, you are more than welcome to come back again and again and again because we love having you. Um, thank you. So your show, it's called Reclaiming the Name, a journey to our unsung stories. That's an amazing title. Yeah. What was your Thank process you. for naming the event? Well, with all of the floating key events that we've done and all of these events that I work on, it's always a process of reflecting on where we're at as a community, where I'm at as a black woman, and where all of these different black community seemed to be. And at that time, there seemed to be a lot of talk amongst us um, in a private forum about coming back to our truth, coming back to who we are, reclaiming what our oppressors or what colonizers had taken from us. And I thought that it was very fitting for us to journey together 
to retell the stories that our oppressors and that, um, I suppose, main media chooses not to tell because Mm -hmm. those are the stories that really show the essence of who we are. And I wanted to get to the nitty-gritty of that. Mm. Yeah, and I think... Well, I'm. I can't wait to see how that all turns out. Um, yeah. But we also live in this, you know, world that's obsessed with telling us who we are and who we're not as well. How do we reclaim our stories? I think reclaiming a story, as you'll see on Wednesday, is very different for every single person. But I think the most important part is to tell a story that does not name the oppressor but names the recovery or Mm. the coming out of. Because I think a lot of our discourse up until now has centered our oppressors, our activism centers whiteness, and I really want to step away from that for me reclaiming my story and my voice is taking that out of the equation and working with the community that I have and working with the experience that I have Mm. and the beauty of that and naming that outside of naming the the people who put us there if that makes sense right right so um change flipping the script essentially and you know taking control and also controlling what gets out there as well, which is so important because a lot of the times it feels like we have no say in um, what's put out there about us. So I feel like this is this is so powerful that you know we're finally hearing we're finally hearing our stories from the people best positioned to tell it. One hundred percent. Also, because this is conversations that you and I have had and others have had. Um, Unfortunately, accessibility is still an issue for many Melbourne um, shows, art shows. How is Floating Keys making their shows accessible to all abilities? Well, we always focus on producing shows within spaces that are wheelchair accessible, firstly, um, which unfortunately can be difficult here but we make sure that we do that. And we always have Auslan interpretation at our shows, which we will have at this one. We have a beautiful video that has been created by a few lovely friends in the community, and that will be captioned for anyone. Um, So if there are any people who have friends within the deaf community, I do suggest that you bring them along because they're, we have made the show accessible for all of these people and for our queer, our queer community, always ensuring that people come with a focus of using non-gender pronouns, with being respectful of all identities and always being mindful of their position within the space. I think those are a few of the ways that we aim to be as accessible as possible. Mm, it's so important because a lot of the times on Tuesday breakfast uh, on our Facebook page, um, we come across so many amazing events and, 
you know, like we're in love with it, we want to go to it, but we have friends who, um, you know, have all types of abilities and unfortunately a lot of these events aren't accessible to them. So that's why we, you know, we love to promote shows that um, access, they don't make accessibility like an afterthought. It's something that's yeah. at the start, like always at the back of the mind and something that's yeah. put forward. So we do really appreciate that, China. Um, and finally, where can our listeners purchase tickets to Reclaiming the Name? You can purchase tickets at au. We also have ticket links on our Facebook page at Floating Key, and there are ticket links available on our Instagram as well, at Floating Key. So there are a few different ways that yeah. you can get there. Excellent. But if you just give us a quick search or search Reclaiming the Naming online, yeah. you'll see our show, and there will be tickets available. And, and if you are unable to purchase a ticket, please do email us or message us, and we'll make sure that you get in. Perfect. And what's the best place for them to message you? Either on Instagram or Facebook, we're always on them. Perfect. So, at Floating Key, on our socials, just send us a DM and we'll make sure that you can come. Yay, that sounds so incredible. And it's only one show, unfortunately. It's on the Wednesday, 26th of September, which is, yes. oh, but who knows, who knows. One, one show is, I mean, I can't get too greedy. But yeah, but thank Something you. Something that people will be left with for a while to reflect on and remember. That We're is really excited. That is what I love to hear. Thank you so much, China, for coming back on again. Thank you. And that was China Alessi, founder of Floating Key. To purchase tickets to reclaiming the name, visit the Melbourne Fringe Festival site. Are we on a path to totalitarianism? Are governments and technocrats developing technologies that hand them greater control over our lives? In the face of such far-reaching webs of control, what are we to do? With speculative minds Lizzie O'Shea, Timothy Eric Strom and Jacob Grech, we're going to be exploring these questions and more through a live panel discussion. Tune in on Wednesday, September 26th from 7am on 3CR Breakfast where we contemplate the societies of the future. Let's reclaim our minds from the cultural engineers. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. We're going to go to a song now. This song is dedicated to my housemate who never listens to the show but loves this song, and so now I've been forced to love it as well. It's called I Owe You Nothing, and it's by Senabu Say. you got to remember, Nainok's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for Nadoc Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black... 
Madoff means a lot to me. It's um, about identity and also about past and present. Madoff means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy Madoff! The Environmental Film Festival Australia is on again. See the impact of climate change and meet heroes fighting for justice. Witness the beauty of nature and hear the sounds of our world. Meet the filmmakers and experts inspiring change and join the conversation to create a sustainable future. Face the facts, face the future, face the films. The Environmental Film Festival Australia in Melbourne from October the 11th to the 19th. Tickets at effa.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Looking for an opportunity for more opportunities? University of Melbourne could help you find a future you thought was out of reach. If your circumstances prevented you from achieving your best possible ATAR, Access Melbourne is the chance you've been searching for. You could earn a scholarship worth $5,000 per year or be guaranteed a place at the University of Melbourne. Find out more at access.unimelb.edu.au. Applications close 12th of October. Melbourne University is a 3CR supporter. Join us for the launch of the 2019 How to Make Trouble and Influence People Diary on Saturday the 6th of October from 3 to 6pm at the Old Bar, Johnson Street, Fitzroy. There'll be readings as well as music from Cold Hands, Warm Heart and Laura McFarlane. Entries free. Proceeds from the diary sales and 20% of the afternoon's bar takings will be donated to 3CR and the Rainforest Information Centre. So come read, drink and be merry. How to Make Trouble and Influence People Diary launch. The Old Bar, Saturday 6th of October, 3 to 6pm. See you there. 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with Ayan, Lauren and myself, Anya. So up next we have a very exciting guest. Her name is Raquel Willis and um, I met her at the Federation of CLC conference that happened last week. Very, very inspiring person um, and we're so, so happy and blessed um, to be able to talk to her. While we just um, get her on the line, I thought maybe we could do a few short com announcements. Um, so... This year for Melbourne Fringe, Mama Alto, in partnership with Max Munro, presents Trans Magic at the Fringe Hub, a celebration of transgender and gender diverse excellence with a lineup of incredible special guests. This is happening uh, tonight at 8 p.m. at the Fringe Hub Lithuanian Club um, in North Melbourne. It sounds really, really exciting, and one of our Tuesday breakfast favourites, Iris Lee, would also be part of the lineup. So. Um, yeah, special discount tickets will be available for the members of the trans community. Big House Dreaming, from every corner of the land, womankind arise! Which is a described as a provocative and urgent one-man performance that holds an unflinching lens to the justice system, is um, premiering today 
uh, as part of Melbourne Fringe 2018. It's running from tonight to the 29th of September. The 27th, which is a Thursday, it, there's an Auslan interpretation and a post-show Q&A. Um, this is the show that we talked about last week when we interviewed Declan. Um, and I'm going tonight, so see you there if you are as well. On the 26th of September 2007, 19-year-old Liapconi was beaten to death in a racially motivated attack that followed a political scare campaign hauntingly familiar to what we are seeing now. To mark the 11th anniversary of Liab's death, they're asking, Liab's family are asking us to join them and the African-Australian community to stand as one and say never again to the violence that killed Liab. Please come and show your support for Liab's family and the entire African-Australian community. Um, so this, uh, this is happening on the steps of Victorian Parliament, Spring Street, CBD, on the 26th of September, which is tomorrow, starting at 12.30pm until about 2. Um, so, yeah, I'll be there. So I think everyone else should be as well. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Militantly, never you fear. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Guatemala. I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We're just going to go to a quick song now. Sampa the Great's Female. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. Um, I know we promised alternative news, but we're going to have to rejig that a little bit because we've got the amazing Raquel Willis um, online with us um, to chat to us. So Raquel is um, an amazing, powerful black transgender activist and writer from the U.S., who was recognized this year as one of America's most influential African-Americans on the Route 100, alongside Solange Knowles, Tamika D. Mallory, and Patrice khan Claus. She has also been named in essence Woke 100 Women, which honors the women who are blazing trails for equal rights and inclusion for black people in America, and has done heaps of incredible work in Black Lives Matter. And I'm just getting ahead of myself. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Raquel. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I know that you've been on the Thursday Breakfast Show last week to discuss your journey in grassroots activism and the power of stories and grassroots movements for social change. So we won't rehash that, and I do encourage listeners to listen to that interview. Um, it was a great interview. Our show is all about learning and unpacking what intersectional feminism means. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how feminism interacts with the Black Lives Matter movement, given that the movement was born out of the increasing police brutality against black cis men, but that black women, and especially black trans women, are some of the most vulnerable people in America at the moment. Well, yes, I, I think that, you know, if we think about Black Lives Matter itself um, and and how, you know, these three brilliant black queer women really brought names to this this burgeoning movement, there was kind of an initial um, insistence on, like, this inherent feminism in, in black organizing work. Um, but, of course, like you said, the issues that kind of became the hallmark of the movement um, really kind of focused on, on what was happening largely to black cisgender men. Mm. And I think that that is something that is, it's historic, right? You know, even thinking about the civil rights movement, um, there was such a sidelining and, and silencing of, uh, black women in that movement space even decades ago. And so I think that, um, that conversation is is very hard to have because many people feel like, you know, if we focus on a specific group like black trans women or, or black LGBTQ folks, then that means that there is a competition of, um, of our priorities, of, of our issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it is disheartening that that is still the case, that people still feel like if we um, are very specific about what we're talking about, then that means that we're not talking about black identity in general. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that, you know, we're all affected by gender. Mm-hmm. And even cis black men, it, you know, it would be uh, beneficial for them to understand that what is affecting cis women affecting women in general and queer folks also affects them and is mm-hmm. also a part of all of these systems that make our lives more difficult. Mm-hmm. And since the Federation of CLC Conference, um, which um, you were one of the keynote speakers um, in, you've been conducting several other workshops, including one about racialized media and politics. And in the last week or so, based on what you've heard and seen, what are the similarities, if any, in the way race baiting in media and politics occurs here as compared to the U.S.? Definitely. I think that we still see limited um, visions of, of what black identity and black life and, and black experiences, and this is global, mm-hmm. um, we are constantly combating a historical erasure and silencing of black and indigenous groups. And that doesn't just go away now that, you know, there are more shows than ever or more um, coverage than ever of our issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even then we run 
um, the risk of then having limited portrayals of what our experiences are. And so I, I think that, you know, we are still grappling with what it means to censor and elevate the most marginalized. Um, and we have to confront all aspects of, of media production. So it's not just the stories that are in front of the cameras, but it's who decides what stories are important, mm -hmm. right? So where are the Black and Indigenous folks who have um, access to uh, being producers or access to being the writers or on, on the crews that are documenting um, these narratives? Mm -hmm. um, so, so we've got to have a well-rounded idea of what um, media production looks like and, and what actual centering and elevation looks like as well. Mm -hmm. And with the, this is a kind of a, a bleak question, but with the election of Trump in the U.S. and Australia's detention of asylum seekers and the mass incarceration of First Nation communities globally, the future looks very grim. Um, and how do we envision a better future where human rights are being eroded this fast? You know, I'll be honest, I think that it's hard. And, mm. and I think that um, there is such fatigue for marginalized communities that have been fighting for decades and centuries to um, be safe and secure and, and live up to our fullest potentials. Um, so I, I can't lie to you and say that I think that there's a clear solution in front of us because I, I I think many have been caught off guard by this um, the, the deeper sense of bigotry and and the brazenness around bigotry that has has propped up all mm. across the, the world. Um, but I, I think having spaces for marginalized people to build with each other and come up with those visions of liberation is so key. Right. So oftentimes I found when I do movement work or, you know, I'm trying to to figure out those solutions, I am very isolated. I am often only in spaces that have um, white people or have cisgender people. Right. And, mm -hmm. and it's hard for me to find spaces that have many marginalized folks that are also a part of the groups that I'm a part of. Mm. And so so with that, right, I've had to start creating spaces. And I'm really excited about a project I have now called Black Trans Circles that's, that's really bringing together Black trans women in the southern United States to talk about what violence is and, and have mm. a, a conversation on what political education looks like for our, our people who have so long not had access to, to that language and, and so again, spaces where we can vision on our liberation. Mm. And when you talk about all these movements um, that have already been happening um, for years, um, most of us are reaping the labor of you know, trans women and migrants, First Nation women, abolitionists who have put their lives at risk to challenge oppressive structures and most importantly to create safer communities forever. So why is it important to remember this and to celebrate our elders? Yes, I, yeah, you know, I, I think that we're kind of constantly in a state of unearthing 
the stories and the voices of our elders. And if we think about the folks who have had access to having their voices elevated or their stories documented in full, oftentimes it hasn't been marginalized people because our people have always been trying to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I agree. Like, I, I think that it is so crucial for us to continue that uncovering of those stories, but also understand that those elders provided a blueprint for us and, and paved the way for us in much harsher times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that it's so great for me as a Black trans queer woman to understand that, you know, our elders aren't just the people who we are biologically related to, Mm -hmm. right? In the LGBTQ spaces, there's such an emphasis on, you know, what chosen family is or Mm -hmm. or how we create family outside of this kind of strict, this heteronormative lens. Mm -hmm. And I apply that also to my elders, right? So people like um, Marsha P. Johnson or Sylvia Rivera, I'm not biologically related to them, but spiritually, ideologically, they are my elders. Mm -hmm. They are people I look back to and I'm like, how did you navigate, you know, as as gender nonconforming folks um, half a century ago Mm -hmm. and and have your voices heard? So I think that that is is important. Um, And the last thing I'll say is that we all need to be living as if we'll be elders some days ourselves Mm. and the truth is we will be to someone to someone we're we're kind of passing the the baton Mm. or um hopefully leaving the door open so that more um folks of all different um experiences can come through the door as well Mm. that's a that's a beautiful note to end this interview on i think thank you so much for joining us today raquel of course thank you and so now we're really going to go to alternative news. Um, so we're going to start with a short video featuring Jane Caro, who is an Australian writer, recent Walkley Award winner, um, raging feminist, um, and very invested in the public education and public well welfare system. So um, we want to play this short clip of Jane speaking on the drum last week uh, to give you an idea of what we're going to talk about. Existed was born via a woman. (laughs) So I would like to see women and mothers in particular get some of the taxpayer money. And they're a big voting block too. Whenever people in this society take time out to care for others, should it be small children, should it be elderly relatives, should it be someone with a disability, we should be paying their superannuation. Because what's basically happening to women and to other people who take on caring responsibilities is that they are doing themselves down over the long term because not only do they not get a wage, but they don't get any money towards their old age. Are we really going to say to people, who predominantly women, oh, it's really nice that you've put other people's needs ahead of your own. It's so lovely you've done that. Now go live out of your car because mm. we don't care for you mm. when you're in trouble. And that's basically what we've done. Either we look at another way of dealing with caring or we have to take this on board. Fastest growing group of the, among the homeless, women over 55, most of whom are there because they took time out of the workforce to care for others as they were brought up to do. And this is a shocking indictment of our society. We've got to fix it. So, I really like that video. Um, 
And I want, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts, you two, because I kind of foisted this upon you. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I never really thought about that until I saw this video. So thank you very much. But yeah, absolutely. Caring is such a, it's such a feminized um, idea, isn't mm. it? Caring for someone else because you do it out of your own goodwill. And sure. Yeah. <laughs> but also practically. Yeah. That just means that you can't. Do you know, you've just given me this thought. Okay, so hang on. This is not a fully formed thought yet, but I was rambling to Ayan. I've been listening to this podcast about philanthropy mm. and how inherently um, wealth creation is tied to philanthropy in most parts mm. of the world. Mm. And I guess in our society, in the capitalist society that we live in, there is goodwill that creates wealth mm. and that that is considered worthy of being a career. Mm-hmm. And then there is goodwill that is what women's work or that doesn't create wealth, Mm. even though realistically, of course it creates wealth because you are, for example, if you're a carer, somebody else isn't having to be paid by the government to do that caring or whatever. Um, But so then that is non-wealth creating goodwill and that is considered to be what? Less. Mm. You don't get superannuation for that. You aren't paid properly, Mm. nor are you considered to be contributing to society? Mm. Massive, massive air quotes. Um, in the same way. I don't know if that makes sense. I've just said that out loud, but I'm not sure if it makes no, sense. No, that but makes, makes so much sense. That makes perfect, perfect sense. And it's mm. um, and we've we've talked about the caring and also the care industry. Um, and I don't know, I think when we start changing our attitude towards caring, mm. seeing it as something that's, like you said, um, Anya, something that's, the right thing to do and it's a nice thing but it also requires skills it requires mm. um like emotional um energy mm. it's, there's there's a lot of there's a lot involved right emotional labor work as well mm. physically exhausting right and you're on the go and you and you're you're having to anticipate people's needs mm. you're, you're having to um sort of like juggle also put your needs on, on the back burner, right? Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of the times you're just, I don't want to say you're at people's beck and call, but y- you as a person become like secondary, mm. right? Your needs become secondary. And mm. and it's it's so sad because it's such a vital thing to do. It's, mm. it's, it's what makes the world go, go mm. around. And we were chatting about this on Friday when we were out supposed to be partying. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're talking about, about feminized labor. Yeah. <laughs> and how, um, yeah, women are always taught to put their needs second mm-hmm. and other people's needs, you know, before theirs. But also how in communities of color, um, that's extra reinforced. And the second you start putting your needs above someone else's, you're deemed to be selfish mm-hmm. and a bad person. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but that's how I grew up thinking and even today if I decide to put someone else's feelings before mine or decide to take someone um, else's schedule into account before mine um, that seems like the right thing to do Mm. and to be able to tell myself that no I'm going to put myself first still feels inherently selfish and bad Mm. is that a common experience yeah for me absolutely definitely Um, and I come from a community um, a culture that's there's a collective um, mentality where you think as a community, as you, well, you think 
you put other people's and you put the interests of the community first, right? So how you feel is sort of like, oh, that's nice and that's lovely and everything, but for us to work as a community, you you need to put yours, your own situation mm. second, right? And there has to be a healthy medium. There's got to be a way to um, think about others mm. and but also think about yourself as mm. well. Like one or the other, I'm always uncomfortable with. But um, getting back to superannuation, to be honest, this is going to sound so ignorant, but I had no idea just how important superannuation is. Like mm. I know oh, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah. Mm. Like but a lot of us yeah. aren't educated about mm. it. No, but and that's such a a lot of women aren't educated about it, and that's why. And I think Jane mentioned it here, but if she didn't, it's like. Women over 45, I think, or 55, are the fastest growing group of homeless people in the country mm. because they don't have the superannuation resources um, that their male counterparts do. Mm. Or if there is a marriage breakdown and they spend all of this time raising mm. the kids, they just don't have the same financial or like asset wealth. Mm. Um, and also, if they took time out of their careers, then they're not as far in their careers in that real, like, you know, Again, capitalist sense, mm. so they're not earning the same amount or, you know, all of those Absolutely, things. Absolutely, yeah. It sounded like such a radical idea when I first mm. watched this video. And also, you know, the first thing that I thought of was, huh, why would someone get paid for, for doing the right thing? But then I was like, hang on. <laughs> we pay people for doing the wrong thing yeah. all the time. Yes. Wow, Scott Morrison. Mm. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it really blew my mind, so thank you for... Oh, I just, yeah, I really, I mean, hopefully politicians listen to it. I mean, (laughs) because they listen to Tuesday Breakfast. Not Um, Tuesday Breakfast. (laughs) They'd probably listen to the drum, though. I cannot stand you, too. (laughs) 2018 marks 20 years since senior traditional owner Yvonne Margarula invited supporters to come to Mirar Country within Kakadu National Park to blockade the proposed Jabaluka uranium mine. Thousands answered the call. The mine was stopped. To commemorate this extraordinary anniversary, Conjate Me Aboriginal Corporation and the Australian Conservation Foundation have produced a gorgeous commemorative calendar. Standing strong, Jabaluka 20 years is a piece of history you don't want to miss. Order your copy today at mirar.net. That's M-I-R-A-R-R.net, a 3CR supporter. Rumination, 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life.
Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Before we get into the next interview, we just want to give a quick plug, quick plug oh, to our friends at Wednesday Breakfast. So tomorrow morning they are running a really, really timely and important panel episode called The Path to Totalitarianism. It'll be coming on at 7am as normal and I'm pretty sure it will go for the full 90 minutes. And I'm not too sure about all of the guests that they have yet, but I have heard a rumour that Lizzie O'Shea from Digital Rights Watch will be one of them, which is super exciting um, in this path to totalitarianism world that we are living in. So tune in tomorrow at 7am for the panel. Next up, we are going to be talking to Mina Singh, a proud Yota Yota woman and the director of legal and client services of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Um, so she's joining us to talk about a recent Victorian Supreme Court decision that an Aboriginal man's request to be sentenced by a Koori court shouldn't have been denied. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mina. Thanks for having me. Um, before we get into the decision, can you just briefly t- uh, talk to us about VALS and the kind of services that you offer? Yeah, so VALS has been running for over 40 years. Uh, we provide legal advice, casework representation in uh, areas of criminal law, family law and civil law. Um, so, you know, whether people are going to court for criminal charges or um, facing family breakup, removal of children... Um, problems with housing, a whole range of, of personal issues. Um, we can give advice and um, representation. Um, and we also provide wraparound holistic services as well that address um, the other needs that clients have, so connection with community, links to services, for, say, drug and alcohol or um, mental health um, counselling or a whole range of other things that help clients hopefully um, address the underlying causes that lead to their legal issues. Mm, beautiful. Um, and could you now briefly run through the facts of the case that was um, and the decision that was handed down at the Supreme Court last week? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, first half of last year, uh, one of our clients um, had a number of, of um, matters of charges um, listed in the Echuca Magistrates Court, um, mostly driving charges, uh, driving offences. Um, and our lawyer representing him put in the request for his matter to be transferred to uh, the Koori Court at, at Shepparton Magistrates Court. So the distance between Echuca and Shepparton is um, about 70, 80 kilometres, mm-hmm. um, just under an hour's drive. Um, the client had had matters heard um, in Shepparton Koori Court before um, and so was very familiar with the process and um, basically put in the request to have his matters heard there because it was a better forum for him to have have his matter heard um, with a magistrate but also with uh, elders and respected persons from his community as the Yorta Yorta person um, who could um, understand his background, his culture and, um, and you know, he wanted to be answerable to them as well as the magistrate. Um, so the magistrate deciding, the, deciding whether or not to transfer it decided against transferring the matter mm. said that the appropriate place to keep it was still in a trigger mm. um, and um, basically we put in an, a, a review of that decision uh, that went to the Supreme Court. Mm. And what was the decision that was handed down at the Supreme Court? 
Yeah, so the, basically the Supreme Court looked at a few things, whether or not um, this idea of what's a proper venue for a, a matter to be heard at. Mm. Um, and the magistrate you know, looked only at really at the offence, where the offences had occurred in Echuca. Um, but with Koori Court and the legislation that goes over Koori Court, um, it talks about Koori Court being an appropriate place for um, Aboriginal people to have their pleas of guilty heard, um, have the decision made by a magistrate with the assistance of, of elders and respected persons overlooking it. Mm. And also the, the, sorry, the Supreme Court also looked at um, the Victorian Charter of Human Rights um, and looked specifically at uh, cultural rights of Aboriginal people under that charter and said that the magistrate needed to take into consideration those things as well, particularly because the venue they were looking at is a is Koori Court and is a venue specifically for um, understanding and upholding people, Aboriginal people's cultural rights. That's amazing, um, especially because the Charter of Human Rights is not um, like a binding um, set of principles, are they? Yeah, yeah. So you have to um, basically using the Charter needs to come in addition to to other sort of actions of law. So. Mm. It's, it's um, it's basically saying, you know, that in making this decision, they haven't properly looked at uh, what this person, what our client's um, cultural rights were. Mm. And it's really, it's hugely exciting because it gives them certainty around, um, you know, it doesn't automatically say you, you will you will have your matter transferred to Koori Courts, but it says that you have to consider an Aboriginal person's cultural rights in mm. making that decision, which is really important. And also it's the first time that the Supreme Court have looked properly at cultural rights under the the, the charter so mm. um yeah it's the sort of case that you know not only gets a great outcome for our client because what happens now is that mm. the matter has to go back to a Chuka magistrate's court with a different magistrate to consider um the request again to transfer um mm. so that's a great outcome for his client because for our client because ultimately, um, he, you know, hopefully it will be transferred and he will get to have his matter heard before his, his elders. Yeah. Um, but the impact for other people as well is really important. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always exciting to see how the Charter will be interpreted and, and when it's interpreted in this way, it's, it's really positive. Yeah, it's a really exciting um, precedent. Um, what, how do you think this is going to impact other Aboriginal clients? Yeah, look, it's, um, I mean, there's a whole range of factors that, you know, impact on, on Aboriginal people getting, um, on getting representation. Um, and this is, you know, this, this case is, uh, I guess, uh, you know, part of the repertoire that, you know, lawyers and, and clients can use now to say, you know, that they want to have their matters heard before Koori mm-hmm. Courts. Um, and Koori Courts were specifically set up, um, to, um, to, to put some of the put some culture back in the process, you know the the, legis, the case law, the legislation, everything that deals with sentencing is the same as any as, as, as a sentence heard in any other court in Victoria. Mm. But what it does is that it allows a process where it's a very open dialogue between the Aboriginal person who's offended and who's pleading guilty to their offending and uh, the magistrate and also their elders. And mm. it's a really powerful process um, of you know, an, an added layer of responsibility for that Aboriginal person to their community as well as to to the law. So, um, mm. you know, it, it, it helps us certainly get some certainty in terms of when we represent um, our clients. Um, but, mm. yeah, you know, we've, we've got the Koori Courts expanding um, 
over the next few years, and there's been a lot of um, been over two million committed to the um, expansion of career courts across the state, which is fantastic. Um, mm. But you know, for us as a legal service, we you know we don't see any of that, so we need to. Um, you know, find ways of, of trying to represent as many people as we can on unchanged funding. So, you know, mm. but at least this is something, you know, positive um, around, you know, how we'll work, get to work in Koori Courts in the future. Mm. That's really exciting and, and vital information about the, the Koori Courts, um, especially because um, you were at the Federation of CLC Conference last week as well and talking about yeah. how, you know, if the justice system is just and what that means to different communities and how they can, you know, access the legal system in a culturally appropriate way. So it seems like the expansion of the Koori Courts is a positive step forward. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in some absolutely. way of addressing that inequality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, we know um, people who go through Koori Courts feel much more engaged. Um, they're less likely to re-offend. Mm. Um, you know, um, it, it's it's a really important form of self-determination. Um mm as part of the justice system and it's a way of putting um, culture back and values back into um, a Western alien system that was imposed on the country. So, mm. yeah, they're a really important space. Exactly. And um, just before we wrap up, because we are running out of time, um, how can people contact Bells? What's your contact information? Where are your office is located? Yeah, so our main office is in Preston at 273 High Street. Um, and we have um, offices around the state um, with our client service offices and um, our number is 94185999. I hope I've got that right. And our, mm. our website is um, www.vels.org.au. So um, people can always jump on the website and, and find our details there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mina. Great. Thanks for having me. Friends of the Earth's Walk This Way is back. Join us on Saturday, October 13th on a sponsored walk of Melbourne's beautiful Bayside Tracks to launch our new waste and consumption campaign and take action on climate change. Together, we'll walk 15 kilometres and raise $20,000 for Friends of the Earth. We will be highlighting key issues around climate resilience, rising sea levels and plastic pollution in our oceans. Getting involved is simple. Sign up online at walkthisway.org.au Get sponsored, spread the word, and get walking. Join us as we journey through coastal communities who are most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. We'll finish up with a community picnic in the Katani Gardens in St Kilda. Friends of the Earth is a proud supporter of CCR. Good morning. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast. You are listening to Ayan. Um, that was an amazing interview that Anya did with Mina Singh. Um, Lauren has just dipped out. So, um, yes, I don't know if she got to say goodbye to you, but um, so is life. But right now we have Idil Ali in the studio with us. Idil Ali is a youth practitioner at Drummond Street Services a writer, performing artist, moderator, and community organizer. Um, her work is centered in community autonomy, resistance, and freedom. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast, Idil. Thank you for having me, Anne. 
So, Idil, how did the fundraiser Nam Imagining Abolition come about? So, I think it's it came from a couple of different places. So, um, I think you were there two years ago when we went to see Angela Davis um, yes. when she came to Nam, and I think that that was my first introduction to Sisters Inside. She was talking about how she was going to go to this conference and that she does that every two years and it's something she's really committed to and then obviously talking about a bunch of other things as Angela Davis does. Mm. And I remember all my friends being like, we're about to black out this event. We're going to go to Melbourne, we're going to all be there super early for once and we're going to go to this event and we get to be around somebody that so much of us admire and look up to um, who's done so much work for black people and... Um, I remember going there and her talking about this conference and being like, that would be amazing. I can't go. Like, I can't afford to go. I can't pay for flights. I can't pay for accommodation. And amongst all that, I'm working three jobs. I'm studying full time. Like, mm. I, there's absolutely no way. Um, and then was thinking, like, I'm somebody with a bit more privilege than a lot more people mm. in terms of, like, employment and having a bit more, um, I guess, leeway in what I can and can't do because of, like, family support. Um yeah, and then I remember just being like, who goes to these conferences? And I know that so much amazing people go to Sisters Inside, but I'm like, so much of us, such, so much more of us should be going. Um, and then this year came about and there was interest from people at Sisters Inside to have a lot more non people because of what's happening here. Mm. Um, and we, I guess reached out to a couple of people that I thought would be interested and um, amongst those people was Mariki um, and we all know that she's a powerhouse so <laughs> she was like straight away she was like okay so like what are you what have you done what do we need to do um, and really like we got some tasks down we got we got moving um, and straight away we start we started uh, a chuffed like fundraising um, platform with mm-hmm. the idea of like doing actual like events engaging with people and the idea is like people who haven't who don't normally go to these conferences but are that are affected by racialized criminalization Mm. to be at this conference that us as a community are organizing amongst us Mm. and coming up with moving away from all this reform garbage and like moving towards abolition and what actually we need to be doing Mm. um and the idea isn't like to tell anybody what they should be doing it's for us to be able to, to be exposed to so many different viewpoints from our own people who've been through this. Mm. Um, And I think that being in a lot of spaces that do organizing, um, that are like inclusive of First Nation folk, that are inclusive of African folk, like um, I don't want to be included, I want to be centered, you know? Um, And being a settler here, I am not meant to be centered. I think um, First Nation folk are meant to be centered Mm. and I want to be in a space that's a led, by them for them and for us to be able to learn from that because of our proximity to first nation because of our oppression being because of their oppression and i think that um the nam community has really a lot of african folk have come to that understanding of like we cannot have freedoms we cannot be not oppressed without um first nation folk first having their sovereignty and being able to govern their own land like we actually can never um Mm. stop being oppressed until yeah. they stop being oppressed. And because the Chuffed um, crowdfunder um, fundraising campaign, it covers a lot of things. And one thing it does cover is a ticket to the Sisters Inside Conference. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what the conference is about and the type of things that um, 
those lucky enough to um, to I guess be selected in um, what are the type of things um, that they'll be doing and expect to see yeah okay so um it's a three-day conference, and it's going to be my first time going, so I can't speak from personal experience. But from what I know, it's a three-day conference. Uh, the speakers are both national and international, um, and they are mostly Aboriginal women. Um, and the idea is that people are coming together, and it's not about here's how like it's not mm. like learn from us, we're the professionals. It's more like this is what we've done to organise in our communities, and then people talking about what they're, how they're organising their communities. And the idea for us is pe- a lot more people being activated by mm. it. Like, because um, I know for me, actually participating in things is going and then seeing one other person that I can relate to. I remember coming into a lot of spaces for me personally was mm. seeing you and seeing somebody who's older than me, who's from my community, mm. doing a lot of things and being really active and being like, okay, like Ayan's doing these things, like... Maybe I like maybe I can come. Maybe I can be comfortable, you know, in these spaces. Um, I think that's something that really interests me as well. That um, like for the last eight conferences or so, it was our prisons absolute was like the topic. Like that was, um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, prisons. Our prisons absolute, perfect, legitimate question. But I think we've already a lot of us have gotten to the point of prisons are absolute. But what's the alternative? And I think that mm. for a lot of like my community in particular I'm like oh like this is like we shouldn't have prisons no more and they're like okay but what are we going to do with the bad people at all mm-hmm. and I'm like oh so then I like want to be able to and I like have been able to have a bit more discussions but I'd really love it if a lot more people had an understanding of what we can have alternative to prisons mm-hmm. to um systems that are a result of prisons you know um yeah so I think that's something that really interested me yeah, absolutely. And I loved what you said about um, how there technically isn't, or, or because you, it will, will be your first time, you don't exactly know like the structure of mm-hmm. the conference. But being in the presence of people who have so much wisdom, who have so much experience, yeah. and knowing that that's a possibility, that's something that you yourself can achieve, yeah. that's so empowering. Like yeah. you don't. The idea that you'll go there and then you'll have, oh, you know, um, to organize in community, you've got to do A, B, C, D. No, just their mere presence Mm -hmm. is, like I said, something that would, I guess, pivot pivot your activism and so on. Um, The fundraiser also depends on the generosity of the community. Um, Why do you think the community should get behind this fundraiser? I think there's a lot of levels to it. I think for our community who are racialized and criminalized, like I think for us it's like a very personal interest of uh, are people no longer being put in prison, are people no longer dying. Um, and I think that like abolition isn't, uh, ex- like it's not confined to just prison. It's like thinking about our schools, thinking about our healthcare system, thinking about like not being really deficit focused, not being punished focused, you know? Like it comes down to your actual homes and thinking about domestic violence and thinking about like, you know, how we raise our children. Um, like all these things, the prison system taints every aspect of our life. Um, so I think it's really important from from that perspective, from like everyday people perspective, but I think that 
people with a lot of money are the people at these organizations, like in these organizations. And I, I would say like the not for not for profit, the um, the community legal centers, like all this um, that don't have a lot of money, but ha- like the people individually who get paid have a bit more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just like to say like they they it's a lot more we're moving towards let's let's center like people of color people who experience these things let's put them on platforms let's give them a voice like you know yeah. and i'm like first of all maybe don't stifle our voice um and we'll be fine but Absolutely. on the flip side it's like you're giving you're giving people a platform who haven't been able to speak amongst their people and that's not the case for everybody um because i would just really like to emphasize that we would not have the rights we have now we would not have the freedoms we have now if our people didn't fight with all the barriers that exist for them absolutely we've done that with all these barriers i'm hoping that we can remove those barriers and be like so in this specific case the ones of funds like people being able to they have their flights paid for them their accommodation paid for them um having their conference tickets paid for them and for them to be able to be going with a cohort of people that they know Mm. um and the idea isn't that they just go there and um marika talked about this really well where it's like they're not going there and then it's left there it's they come back and then they do things here Mm. so it's like all these people are going to this conference and they're going to come back here and do some organizing here. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing some work here. And I think that also being in a space with so much people um, who've been doing that work, you realize you come back and there's people who have been doing that work. Mm-hmm. And we haven't been listening to them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them will be at the conference and some of them will not. But it will be a matter of, like, turning to people who have been doing this work and asking them what they've learned from it. Mm-hmm. And I think that we ha- we need fresh bodies. We need new minds. Um we need to figure out how to move forward like mm-hmm. and that that can only happen with different perspectives that can only happen with mm-hmm. energy because i feel like people coming into these spaces are like real energetic they're like let's do something okay. and you're like we've done this and this and this. and then you have to remind yourself um okay but do we just because of every every because that's how oppression works it's like it's stifling like mm-hmm. you don't want to move but i think that with with fresher energy you can teach them what you've learned and i think that's a really amazing part of the conference it's like all these people who've learned lessons are like here's what and you're going to still make mistakes but it's here's all the lessons we've learned absolutely um here we're bestowing it upon you guys and you guys get to run with that and continue to do organizing because i feel like the generation that have done so much hard work need somebody to pass down mm, that information to. Absolutely. And I want us to be there to receive that information. Yeah. On the CHOP website, there's a line where you talk, you talk about investing mm. in the youth, investing in future activists. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like, you're laying down the foundation for what's to come because yeah. it's an ongoing journey. I don't think we'll ever reach that um, apex of equality, mm. but it's definitely some uh, like a place to start. Yeah. Um, where can our listeners go and support? Yeah, now? so I would say the best played page would be the Chuffed page. So it's www.chuffed, which is C H U F F E D dot org forward slash nam n a r r m um, imagining i m a g i n i n g abolition a b o l i t i o n. I laughed because I always misspell abolition. <laughs> No, that was you did an amazing job. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Three CR, always bringing you the latest union news.
They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. Council is conducting a review of everything it does to support people over 65 and we want your input. Whether you're an older Darabin resident, approaching retirement or have ageing parents or loved ones, this review is relevant to you. We need all perspectives on how we can make Darabin an age-friendly city. For more information, visit our website on www darabin.vic.gov.au or call Darabin Council on 8470 8470 to speak in your language. The City of Darabin is a 3CR supporter. Wow, wow, wow. Idol, that was incredible. Yeah, what um, a great interview. Yeah, that was an amazing, like, so much to unpack, so much to think about, because this that's one thing that people always say. They always say, um, uh, like, w- when you criticise them and say, um, and by they I mean um, people in the non-profit industry, they're always talking about, oh, but we didn't have anybody apply for this. Oh, we haven't heard from the community. Mm. And it's sort of like the community out there. And if you really care about, um, you know, building and supporting the community, you go out there and you find them and you invest in them. Mm. and Make it more accessible. Even things like, you know, employing people from diverse communities or whatever. Like, yeah, it really, like, annoys me when people say, yeah, nobody applied. When it's like your application process is not geared towards them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like, what the hell? Um, anyways, we've, we've run out of time. Look at us. We can go on forever. <laughs> Thank you so much. And up next, we have Accent of Woman. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.